Welcome to the family with Andy Brant Bernard. We will be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Great guest coming up, Deb Elliott from Nurse's House. Should be up later on in the hour. Some great things happen in this hour. We'll be right back. Kick things off with the family. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer. For <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. That was a really good interview. I did a hell of a good interview, as a matter of fact. Uh, The Conjuring. Oh, by the way, Darkness Dave texted me and said there are two Conjuring movies and five spinoffs. Well. I knew there were a lot of them, but I didn't know there were that many. But, yeah, two Conjuring movies and five spinoffs. Now they're making the third Conjuring movie, apparently. And he also said, uh, Darkness also said that he got to investigate the Biograph Theater on the anniversary of Dillinger's death. So I told him to call in about it so I could ask him, did you sit in Dillinger's seat like I did? Because once I did it, I felt like such a dope, such a tourist. Ooh, I'm going to sit in John Dillinger's murdering seat (laughs) or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's a little ridiculous, but, you know, it's, I guess it all works out in the end. You know, it's... I was young. I was 20, 21 years old, maybe 20. Nah, I, was, I was no no older than 20. I was either 20 or 21. Oh, was that long ago? Yeah, it was a long, long time uh. ago. Okay, Andy, let me ask you a question. Is this something that you would do because, i got to be honest with you, <clears throat> I can tell you up front, ain't happening with me. The headline, woman killed after petting an alligator. Mm. Why would you pet an alligator? Uh, that is a great question. Don't really understand why you'd want to do that. Having spent a cumulative several years in Florida in my life, I uh, I don't think I would ever go anywhere near an alligator unless it was in no. an extremely controlled environment. I walked up on one on the, what is it, the 16th tee box at the Breakers Golf Course. Breakers West Golf Course. Breakers Reese Jones is actually the name of it. First time I ever played it, walked up in the tee box, wasn't even paying attention, and I was standing about five feet from about a seven-foot alligator. That made me a little nervous once I realized, but it didn't even move. 
It didn't look at me. I suppose it was looking at me, you know, the sidelong yeah. glance. But you know, it didn't they, move. They prefer to, if they don't have to, they don't like to move. They don't like to fight. They don't like to do anything. They don't. They're reptiles, so, you know. Reptiles, since they're cold-blooded, they uh, they have less uh, energy reserves than warm-blooded yeah. animals. So <clears throat> any movement that. at all is a waste of energy for a reptile. A woman attacked and killed by an alligator in a gated community in South Carolina was visiting the homeowner to do her nails and was trying to touch the animal, and it grabbed her. Uh, after briefly getting away from the alligator Friday, Cynthia Covert, get it, Covert? Mm-hmm. Undercover, huh? <clears throat> Cynthia Covert, 58, stood in waist-deep water in a Kiowa Island pond and said, I guess I won't do this again. But the alligator grabbed her in its jaws again and took her under, according to a police report released on Tuesday. Deputies and firefighters looked for Covert for about 10 minutes before her body surfaced. When the alligator surfaced again, a deputy shot the animal in the head with his 9mm handgun. The police report said by that time, Covert had died of drowning with a severely damaged leg. So, is it true, do you think? What? I said, whoops. Yeah, whoops indeed. So the cop probably had to shoot the alligator because is it one of those situations like if an animal kills a human it gets killed? Yeah, right. That's pretty much the law everywhere in the country. Indeed, would that mean that since he attacked one person, that he would kind of have a taste for attacking? You know, I don't know if reptiles really are operate at that level. I don't know if they do either. I think it's just a matter of you know if it was hungry enough or scared enough or whatever. But better safe than sorry, I suppose. All I remember is Peter Falk in the movie The In-Laws. Serpentine shell. Mm-hmm. The best way to get get away from an alligator is to serpentine away. You're not supposed to just run in a straight line. You're supposed to go back and forth because alligators can't handle that. They can't do it, apparently. Alligators aren't very great on land in general. Yeah, I can see that's probably true. That's why they stay in the water as much as they can. I don't know what... <laughs> Is an alligator, is it literally just a small version of a dinosaur? Is that what they really are? Pretty much. Kind of seem like it. I think alligators evolved uh, several million years ago, so let's see here. 37 million years ago. What? So Wait a minute, what? Yeah. Alligators have been around for 37 million years. For 37 years. million years? Yep. So they are dinosaurs, basically. They're Yeah, they're dinosaurs, arguably. I would guess. I mean, I don't know... What are you going to do, ladies and gentlemen? I, what do you think of the fact, the fact that Tom Cruise is going to shoot a movie on the International Space Station? Mm. Now, how long would you have to be up there? Now, I suppose they're going to shoot some scenes up there, I would think. Not the whole movie. Because how, well, how long would you have to, How long does it take to shoot a movie? I don't even know. Because, you know, people live at the International Space Station, right? But I don't know how many, how many can they put up at there can't, can't be that many people there, I yeah, wouldn't think. Yeah, film crews are pretty huge. Yeah, so exactly. I don't know. I don't understand how, how they can pull that off. I really don't. Uh, the New York presidential primary is back on, so apparently Bernie Sanders bitched enough that they decided they should probably get it uh, cooking or whatever. The New York Democratic presidential primary must take place June 23rd because canceling it would be unconstitutional and deprive withdrawn presidential candidates Bernie Sanders and Andrew Yang of proper representation at the Democratic Convention. A judge ruled on Tuesday, U.S. District Judge Annalisa Torres in Manhattan ruled that after uh, lawyers for Sanders and Yang argued Monday that they otherwise would be harmed irreparably. Harmed irreparably. Mm. The AP reports the judge said there was enough time 
before the primary to plan how to carry it out safely. She acknowledged that the reason was it was canceled to prevent the spread of COVID-19 was an important state interest. But uh, she said uh, she was unconvinced it justified infringing rights. See, here's what I love about this. You need to stay home. I'll go wandering around, blah, 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 blah. Um, and you stay at home, except for maybe you could help us out getting our candidate elected. So then it's okay. We don't want to infringe on your rights. Yeah. That's all you're doing is infringing on our rights by making us stay home, having everything closed. Andy, do you think that if they opened everything up that the rate would go that much higher anyway? Probably not. I wouldn't think so. <clears throat> maybe in some areas, but... I think most places are pretty much, you know, they're as bad as they were going to get. And don't you think that people have wised up? They're not going to go up and talk right into your face. You'd hope not. Yeah, you would hope they'd be wiser than that. But I don't know. Maybe they're not. So I don't know. We'll we'll see what the situation is. We do know that the Democratic Party's presidential uh, uh, primary will take place in New York because, you know, Bernie, Bernie doesn't want to go away from the limelight yet. I don't know about Andrew Yang, maybe for the future. But uh, Bernie just doesn't want to go away because he's, what, eight, is he 80 yet or is he still 79? Let's see here. When does he turn 80? I think he turns 80 pretty soon. Uh, I'm not sure. See. Oh, he's only 78. He's only 78? He'll be 79 in September. Oh, so he's 79 in September. I knew it was pretty soon he was gonna, his age. I thought he was going to go from 79 to 80. He's actually going from 78 to 79. <clears throat> yep. So I don't know what to tell you with that whole situation, um, but he just hasn't had enough yet. Uh, and it's a, it's a way for him to make more money, isn't it? This is all about the money, I well, would yeah. think. I he's believe got, so. Yeah, he's got no chance of making it. I, I, does anybody see a way clear for him to get the presidential nomination? Because I don't. No, there's no way. I really don't think uh, that's going to that, – that's not going to end up happening. There's no way, shape, or form that's going to happen, so – I don't know. This is pretty interesting. A lawmaker will not wear a mask over religious beliefs. Ohio Representative Nino Vitale says humans are created in God's image and he will not cover his face. Uh, An Ohio state lawmaker is refusing to wear a mask because, well, it would cover his face. In a Monday Facebook post, GOP Representative Nino Vitale cited his religious beliefs in refusing Republican Governor Mike DeWine's recommendation to wear a mask to limit the spread of COVID-19, per The Hill. This is the greatest nation on earth founded on Judeo-Christian principles, Vitaly wrote. One of those principles is that we are all created in the image and likeness of God. That image is seen uh, the most by our face. Therefore, I will not wear a mask. With the uh, state moving to reopening certainly non-essential businesses, certain of them, DeWine announced that April 27th that people in stores would be required to wear masks. However, he quickly reversed course, saying masks would be recommended but not mandated. Vitaly's post included video clips of DeWine and Ohio Department of Health Director Amy Acton discussing the recommendation. He directed officials to ignore the unelected Dr. Acton's orders and open your counties now before it's too late. He also asserted the virus was no worse than the flu, though research to date on COVID-19 shows it has a higher death rate and is more... Con- it, well, it can't have a higher death rate yet, can it? Unless the death rate is, is, is based on old data where they couldn't really tell how many people already had it and got through it asymptomatic. Well, that's always going to be the problem. Yeah, I don't know. Knowing right. what, who actually died from it, whether as opposed to just dying with it. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean that that would all make make sense. I I just I just really think we're at a point now where we could open back up, a la Sweden. And are more people going to die? Unfortunately, yes. But I don't think that have much of an effect on it at all. I really don't. We will take a break here. Going to reach out to Darkness Dave. Darkness Dave in the second segment. And a great guest in the third segment, correct? I haven't heard anything, but sure. I like it. All right, we'll be back with the family. Tom Bernard here, and with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, I was reading on your website that one of your bankers has worked with a customer for more than 30 years. It's a long time for any business relationship. Is that common? Not only 30 years, but two generations. Our great client, Northland Fastening Systems. 30 years is definitely not common for a lot of bankers, but Brad has developed a relationship with that trusted customer that has allowed them to show steady growth every year they've been together. Building the relationship of trust is what we do best. It allows us to make quick deals that benefit them and all of our business customers. The cool thing is that it gives us a chance to be more than your banker, hopefully a partner, and maybe even a friend. I have never liked you, by the way. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience? Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Thanks, friend. And you are? <laughs> Real nice. Chuck Knobloch. <laughs> Chuck Knobloch. 2020 never looks so good. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. With 2020 upon us, it's time to ditch the contacts and pitch the glasses. Take it from me. It's one of the best things you can do for yourself in the new year. I've never looked back from having LASIK myself, and with Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, you can trust you're amongst the best in the business. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. The great people at Whiting Clinic will take fantastic care of you, just like they did for me. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. Imagine 2020 or better in 2020 and let 2020 be your best year yet with LASIK at Whiting Clinic. LASIK results may vary. Talk to your Whiting Clinic doctor about your individual outcome potential. Ladies and gentlemen, this brings back some memories for me. The enigmatic co-founder of one of the most influential groups in music history has died. Florian Schneider, who founded Kraftwerk mm. with Ralph Hutter in Dusseldorf 50 years ago. I don't know about one of the most influential groups in music history. but yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know about it's that. well known, but yeah, I don't know about influential. Uh, he died of cancer last week. A musical collaborator confirms to The Guardian. Schneider was only 73 years old. The group pioneered electronic music and inspired legions of artists in genres including synth-pop, hip-hop, and rock. So it's his fault mm. that hip-hop garbage yeah. came along and destroyed. I don't really understand why they had to destroy R&B music. I suppose it is true that... Uh... They were probably one of the first electronic bands. So Yeah, that's true. But I don't know about that. one of the most influential. I don't know if I'm buying that. Schneider, who met Hutter while they were classical music students taking part in the German experimental music scene, played the flute, violin, guitar, and a wide variety of synthesizers, some of them custom-made. He also filed patents for an electronic drum kit and the band's Robovox synth vocal processor. Pitchfork uh, reports. Kraftwerk released its first album in 1971, gained international fame with Bon Bon Bon, it's the Otto Bon, mm-hmm. Bon Bon Bon, it's the Otto Bon. 
Is that your big hit? Is that what we're talking here? The group was a major influence on artists, including David Bodie, who named the track VT, V2 Schneider on his Heroes album after Schneider. Schneider left Kraftwerk in 2008 to say he uh, was massively influential and changed uh, the very sound of music is somehow still a, an understatement, said film director Edgar Wright. Other artists paying tribute include Spandau Ballet's Gary Kemp, who says Schneider forged a new metropolis of music for all of us to live in. I suppose that probably is true. Darkness Dave is going to call in in about the next 60 mm-hmm. seconds, somewhere in there, Andy. I assume so. <clears throat> so when you, well, he just sent me a message saying he'll be about a minute. Okay. So you can look for him to call in. Uh, that's pretty cool. Ooh, this ought to be interesting. Natasha Gregson Wagner has long made it clear she doesn't believe her stepfather, Robert Wagner, had anything to do with her mother, Natalie Wood's mysterious 1981 drowning death. In a new memoir, she reiterates that view. I know that if my mom had been in any kind of distress, he would have given his life for her. She says of Robert Wagner, who raised her and her two sisters, and whom she calls her dad, alongside her biological father, Wood's second husband. Wagner himself, now 90, gives people a rare interview in which he echoes that sentiment. She said that because she knows me, and she knows that I would never have done anything to hurt her mother, More Than Love is out on Tuesday with an accompanying HBO documentary also premiering on HBO next Tuesday. So I don't know... uh, about this whole situation. That, that that was a whole deal. It was uh, Christopher Walken, Robert Wagner, and Natalie Wood schwealing, and I don't know if they were doing drugs or what the hell they were doing, but apparently things went awry, and Natalie Wood's washed up on shore the next day. So some say they threw mm-hmm. her off the boat. Some say she fell off the boat. Nobody will ever, well, we'll never know for sure what really happened, you know. It's just not going to, we'll, we'll never know for sure what really happened to Natalie Wood, do you think? Yeah. I don't know. It's it's just, that whole Hollywood thing is so bizarre anyway. And i got to be honest with you, if I was going to kill someone, the last thing I'd want to do is throw them overboard. You know what I mean? I just say, oh, they fell. How many people fall off a boat, I actually? I feeling it's not a whole lot. Yeah, I, I'm just, to fall off a boat, first of all, they're rails, so I don't know how the hell you do it anyway. It's got to be a little difficult to fall off a boat, but... I don't know if he killed her, he didn't kill her, or what the hell. Who the hell knows? I guess we'll never know, will we? No. And uh, But after all these years, they're going to do another movie about it. They're going to do another feature about the whole situation. So I don't know what to tell you with all that. It's uh, that's kind of bizarre. That whole thing is bizarre. Uh, I don't know. What more can one say about it? Natalie Wood's dead. She's been dead for a long time. Yes, she has. And... What else can you say? Uh, they were talking about breaking up the virus task force uh, and turning it into some other deal, but now they've said, no, no, no. Trump says virus task force to continue indefinitely. They were going to break it up and move on to something else, but they can't do that yet. It's too early to do that kind of thing. God, this is so amazing. I'm looking at the Wall Street Journal front, uh, front page of the Wall Street Journal. Trump says virus task force. California canceled large coronavirus mask order. How Germany kept factories open during the pandemic. Coronavirus casts deep chill over U.S.-China relations. Hard-hit Nebraska charts its own way to fight virus. Every story's about the virus. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's all anyone cares about right now. I mean, it's 100% true that that's all anyone cares about right now because every single story in the Wall Street Journal uh, 
Well, here's the movie that cha- the movie that might change Hollywood forever is Trolls. I don't know what that means. Oh yeah, it's because it did so well on streaming. So now they think that maybe streaming is the way to go instead of theaters. Yeah, Darkness Possible. is on. <clears throat> yes, he is. Indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so full disclosure: Were you as douchey as I was when I saw the seat, and then I went and sat in it? Did you do that too? I don't know what you're talking about, Tom Bernard. I sat in it twice. That's how douchey I am. Of course, you have to do it. You got to do it, like, don't you? It's just like when you see the Bonnie and Clyde car. You have to kind of put your finger into a bullet hole. You got to kind of lean in and look for blood splatter. It's disgusting. It's weird, but you're just like, you remember now when Dillinger was assassinated outside of the biograph, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, all the cops that, that shot him to pieces. People were grabbing uh, uh, their handkerchiefs and dipping it in his blood so that they could have a souvenir. Oh, God, really? Oh, right, yeah. So there was uh, mm. there was that going on. There was all of this, you know, fantasy of it. You know, when, when you see stories about Bonnie and Clyde, um, th- there was a fascination with them. They were these kind of strange Robin Hood folk heroes right, to people. Right. And when they died, people were doing the same thing. They were reaching into the car, pulling pieces of Bonnie's hair, yep. tearing at their clothes, dabbing their, their uh, handkerchiefs in blood. People are, are fascinated by celebrity in any style, and, uh, and especially when it's got a notorious background. But, yeah, that was, that's the last chair. And I remember at the Biograph, I, I used to work when I was a teenager for Plitt Theaters. And then oh, it changed sure, yeah. into, yep. uh, what is it, Odeon Cineplex, I think? I think so, yeah. Um, and our buddy managed the biograph. So he's like, hey, guys, this is the anniversary. You want to come over? And we went with uh, – we invited the famed Chicago ghost hunter, uh, Richard Crow, and his assistant, Wes Berrier, who was a demonologist. And this was – you know, this was in the 80s. This is long before the advent of how huge the, the paranormal is now. And we got to be in there at that time uh, – in the theater that he was in the night that he left and was shot. And I was hearing from employees that would go in there to clean up and there'd be somebody sitting in the chair and they'd approach him. Oh, sorry, you have to leave while we clean the theater and the person would vanish. Or this guy would suddenly stand up and turn and look at them and smile and then disappear. A lot of people were having experiences like that. And there was one point during the night and it got to be, I don't know, like one, one thirty in the morning. Uh, we were all sitting in the back row, just, I don't, you know, and it was fully lit. I don't know what we were expecting to see when very clearly the sound of footsteps down by the uh, screen, hear something walking, and all of us just stopped. It was a really, really cool moment. But, yeah, every one of us took a chance of sitting once or twice in the in the legendary seat, which, if I remember correctly, they had that actual seat supposedly was pulled out and put in the lobby right. behind a row. Um but uh, and then they replaced it, and I think they put put one in the theater to kind of you know so people could see where he sat. But it's no longer the original seat. And the legend is the original seat was actually stolen already. So oh yeah yeah, um, but it's still you know it's a cool point. And and you go out there, and they would tell you that there's telephone poles. You know he kind of went down out and into that kind of little alleyway there between yes right and what used to be like a Chinese store or food store or something mm-hmm. and he got gunned down there and once in a while police would show up and shoot bullets into the telephone pole so that uh curious uh you know seekers would go out there and look at the bullet holes and be blown away some of them would pull the bullet out of the the <laughs> wood and think they've got a new souvenir so 
it's crazy what people are willing to do to, to get involved in, uh, you know, have, have a piece of this history for themselves. Yeah, no question. We got to get you back in studio one of these days, man. You got to come in and do, do an hour with us sometime. I'd love to. I've got, uh, you know, I'm doing a meeting today. I can't really talk much about it, but I think I've got something pretty cool coming up starting in the mid part of this month that will run through the mid part of June. And yeah, I'd love to come in and, and uh, spend an hour with you and kind of fill you in on what we're going to be doing and how people can be a part of it. And uh, I'll actually be a part of that conjuring event that's coming up next week. Wonderful. Yeah, so Wednesday, I think I'm going to be Skyping in and talking with some of the, the people to talk about their experiences there. And we just talked with um, the husband and wife that own it, Cody and Jennifer, right. uh, the Heinzens. We talked with them on our Darkness Radio episode this past Saturday and uh, talked to them about what's been going on there. Their son, on one of the first nights he was there, woke up to see this black cloud forming over him this black mass and he just jumped out of bed left. He didn't want to come back. And I guess he was back visiting or something when the virus hit in the lockdown. So he's been stuck in this oh, haunted God. house. <laughs> Nothing to it. Uh, but they've all had really interesting experiences and uh, to get this kind of unprecedented access to this house now for a week where you can watch and and be a part of the interactive experiment. If if there's something you want to see, they'll actually sit down and start, you know, EVP work or Ouija board or something to try to get something inspired to go. Love it. All right, Pally. Well, find out on your schedule when you can do it. We'll book you for an hour and love to have you in. I'd love to see you again, Tom. You guys stay safe, and uh, we will see you soon. Thanks, Darkness. Darkness Dave, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back. Deb Elliott from Nurse's House with us next with the family. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Ooh, I hit the post. You hear that? Now we're talking. Ladies and gentlemen, Deb Elliott. How are you, Deb? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Marvelously well, thank you. As healthcare workers are on the front lines helping to fight COVID-19, many people are stopping to wonder what happens to nurses who become ill on the job. I'll stop talking right there. I want to hear all about Nurses House with Executive Director Deb Elliott. What's going on? Thanks. What's going Thanks. on? I appreciate the opportunity. Sure. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. Nurses House has been around since the early 1920s, and it actually was a house at one point in time where nurses could go to get respite and get cared for by their colleagues. And in the 60s, the house wasn't being used, so it was converted into a fund. And so right now, we provide 
temporary financial assistance to nurses who are out of work due to illness or injury. And we've been doing that for quite a few years now, and we give out about $200,000 a year on average. We're a national organization, so any nurse across the country um, is eligible to apply. And But during this pandemic, we decided that we needed to step it up a little bit, and we partnered with the American Nurses Foundation, which is a subsidiary of the American Nurses uh, their Foundation, actually, was is part of the ANA, American Nurses Association. And we... Um, raised about a million dollars, and we're still raising money, and we're still hoping to raise more money. And so we started an emergency COVID fund for RNs and LPNs who have tested positive or have been exposed and need to be quarantined. And so far, we've given out almost three-quarters of a million dollars in, in grants and uh, helped several nurses, several hundred nurses around, around the country. So... Uh, we're hoping that people will, if they need help, will go onto the onto the website. It's helpnurses.org. Very easy to find. Or if they would like to participate in in the campaign and donate, we would love that too. So the more we get, the more we can give. I think it's just terrific. How did you get involved in the first place, Deb? Well, I'm a nurse. Been a nurse for 40 years. I'm not currently working on the front lines, but uh, did for about 30 of those years mm-hmm. and. I've also done some management administrative work, and so I am the director of the Center for Nursing in New York, and Nurses House, although a separate organization, is housed at the Center for Nursing, and so I also provide executive director services to them as well. You know, Deb, uh, this doesn't apply directly to what we're talking about, and if you don't want to comment it, I understand. I don't understand why hospitals furlough doctors and nurses in this COVID uh, epidemic. Do you understand why that even, why would that even happen? Do you know? I, I do. I do know. (laughs) I do know. And I do understand. The interesting thing with this pandemic is that it's very regionally dispersed. Okay. So while in, in New York City, for example, uh, their hospitals are overflowing, and that is why they had to open up the Javits Center for a period of time and right. they brought in the comfort ship. But up here in New York, in upstate New York, where I am, um, for example, there is a wonderful hospital um, up just north of here, north of Saratoga, called Glens Falls Hospital, and they're, they're not seeing a large number of COVID patients, thank goodness. But the problem is they're not seeing their regular patients either. All elective right. surgeries have been canceled. So all of their surgical cases are, you know, pretty much not not happening unless they're an emergency. And there have been fewer incidents and accidents with people not out, out and about and doing things. So the things that they would normally see in an emergency room, for example, that would be admitted, um, they're not being admitted. So they have, they have floors. There's, there's no patients. And so they have to furlough uh, their I staff. See. So that's, that explains that part of it. It's very geographically um, situated. It's not all over the place, trust me. New York, the, the hospitals in New York City are begging for nurses, and nurses have been traveling from all over the country to, to go to New York City to help. So it's, um, it's kind of an interesting problem, and a lot of people don't understand. You know, I can see how people wouldn't understand that because everybody, everybody thinks the hospitals are just busting good patients. Yeah, I mean, I, I did not obviously understand it because I thought, well, why wouldn't they just move those doctors and nurses where they're needed rather than furlough them? Well, uh, that makes sense, except it's not that simple. When you're, yeah, okay. when you're employed, 
when you're employed by a, a particular facility, you can't just go work, you know, in a facility that's three states away. Um, there has to be a process, you know. There, it's you know, and some people can't relocate. You know, there's yeah. there's many nurses and physicians that they live in an area because they're caring for family members or you know they have other responsibilities and they couldn't just pick up and go spend you know two months in New York City. So basically, or, or Detroit or yeah. California or San Diego. I mean, there's lots of other places across the country that are that are hurting for, for nurses and doctors. So basically, it's not like being a disc jockey where you just show up wherever you want and you don't really do that much anyway. It's not the, well, not the same. I don't know too much about the disc jockey world, but uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't. I can't imagine that you know it's, it's anything near what our colleague nurses and doctors are, are, and all other healthcare providers. Because it's not just doctors yeah. and nurses. Yeah, there's nursing assistants and techs and lab techs and even the housekeeping people and the food service people. I mean, there's so many people that are that are really working very hard to make sure that, that patients are being cared for, and especially patients that don't have the support of their family at their bedside, which is, which is really yeah. difficult. I've well, heard some wonderful stories. Oh, well, you have? Nurses. Good. Oh, my gosh. It, the, the stories that, that I've heard from some of my colleagues, um, while, yes, they've seen a lot of horrible things and a lot of deaths, but they've also seen some great recovery stories. And, uh, you know, those, those are really, that's where the, that's where the rubber meets the road with the profession because the nursing profession, while it can be extremely stressful and hard work, it is so rewarding. Yeah, no question about that. Now, uh, the website, can people go to your website and, and help out, donate money or, or whatever? Oh, did I lose Deb? I think we may have. Oh, she fell off. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's too bad. Well, we've only got about three minutes left. Oh, you know what? Well, she, had, she was moving on to her next deal. Um, oh. But, oh, yeah, because she was supposed to be on a 35. Yeah. How did, we, how did we get off time on that? I thought we were right on time for that whole thing. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Uh, whatever. Yeah, Deb Elliott from Nurses. That's one thing about Art. If we go too long, he just cuts us off. That's what Art's that's true. good at that. I don't know why he likes to do that, but that's fine. We, we talked to Deb uh, for a nice chunk of time there. And uh, I don't know if Art's ever done a radio show or not, but you can't. It's impossible to stay on time with every interview. It's just not possible. It's very difficult because sometimes people will go longer than than you expect them to, and you do the best you possibly can. But yeah, so Deb Elliott, terrific uh, job helping uh, people out, and no, it was just it was great. Don't you think? Yeah. That sounded, that sounded like you were really convinced that mm-hmm. that was true. That is so weird that he does that, though. He just cuts it off. I wonder if art's that hard to, hard to deal with for everybody else, or is it just us? Well, I think some guests do do uh, insist, or their publicists insist, on uh, being right on time. Well, good luck doing interviews, then, if that's true. Yeah, I think you learn pretty quick that that, that uh, kind of rigidity is not really reasonable no because i can't say in the previous segment okay you got to shut up now and go yeah i can't do that you know i guess they can do that but i can't do that so i don't know deb was doing a good interview there it's too bad she didn't we only had another like two and a half minutes left so but if she's on a tight schedule she had to go and i do understand that just uh i don't know Art, art is hard to deal with i will tell you that he's mm-hmm. not easy and i don't know i don't think it's just me i think it's pretty much everybody yeah I don't really get it, right? Right. 
What are you going to do? Oh, God, businesses are put, pissed off about bike lanes in downtown St. Paul. You knew it was going to happen sooner or later. There's really nowhere to go for for cars anymore. <laughs> God. Look, I love riding my bike. I ride my bike everywhere I possibly can. Uh, eight small businesses in downtown St. Paul want the city council to halt the designation of a new bike lane, saying it would add another stress to an already difficult environment. On Wednesday afternoon, the council will hold a public hearing about the 10th Street Bikeway, part of a project to put most of downtown St. Paul within a few blocks of a bike lane. This project would add bike lanes on 10th Street from Dorothy Day Place to Jackson Street and on 9th Street from Jackson to Broadway Street. It would cut parking along those routes uh, to 18 total spots. Yeah, see, that's got to be tough. Look, I love riding my bike, all the rest of it, but you can't keep taking parking spots away from local businesses like that. They're never going to make it. If you don't stop, they're going to fall apart, and then you're going to lose that revenue. Do you want to lose that revenue for bike lanes? Again, there's no bigger bike rider than me. I I try to ride my bike every day, but that's not going to work. You have to have places to park and, and thriving businesses. And we will talk to you tomorrow with the family.